Welcome back to another episode of Recap, the show where we, the podcast, I should say, where we talk about the latest news featured on our platform. This news, we, Lord, I can't talk today. This is news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. That act part's really important. You'll figure out why later. As always, I am your host, Joshua Hyde. With me today are analyst Alex Rohanan and one of our writers, Anthony Arnold. How you guys doing today? Doing I'm good, man. <laughs> I know we got a we got a lot to cover today, so let's let's go ahead and just uh get right into it. Anthony, Yo. talk to me about our polls. Yeah. So as I mentioned every time we do this, our polls come out Friday across social media. So please read and respond. Uh our poll from last Friday was about a Proud Boys article. There was an article published in the New York Times and other media outlets where the identity of an FBI informant was revealed, and it was revealed that he was one of the leaders of the Proud Boys. They disclosed his full name, um, identity, photos, potentially putting both himself and everybody around him at risk. And so we asked, should the media have shared the personal information of this man? If so, why? And if not, what should they have done? Josh, I know you responded on our Facebook page uh, that um, they shouldn't have doxxed him. I also know we had a uh, listener and reader, Chris Williams, responded saying he disagreed with it. No matter how despicable an individual is, putting their personal info out there is a death sentence in this situation. And it hurts the ability of the FBI to get informants in the future. Now, Alex, I know both you and I talked about this privately, and we both agree with both Josh and Chris here. So the question I'm going to ask is not what do you think should have been done, but why do we think the media did it anyway? Um, what was the reasons for them to disclose this person's ID when they know that they would be putting him and everyone around him in, in literal mortal danger? So why do we think it happened? Anyone got any opinions they want to share? So the the easiest one for me to come to is they may have wanted that to happen. Who kind of hate the Proud Boys and everything that they stand for, understandably. And so uh, mm, I can only imagine that this was done intentionally. Again, like we we know that doxing someone in today's day and age is, as mentioned, it, it can in some ways exactly be a death sentence. And so for someone to effectively target a leader of an organization in this way, even though he was an FBI informant, is incredibly problematic for, for in, this is my mind, two very important reasons. First, I don't, <sighs> I hate the KKK, but I don't wish death upon the leader of the KKK. I wish like jail time and several other things. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't wish death upon him her, or her. I'm assuming him, given the nature of the organization. So it's a bit hard for me to to be okay with this kind of thing, especially since it feels like it's done intentionally. And the other part I'm going to mention here is effectively what Chris talked about is that he was an FBI informant. That's important because there, I don't know exactly how many of them there are, but I know it's, if this is what's going to happen to you when you become an FBI informant, why would you become an FBI informant in the future? So like, it's just, yeah. bad. It's, it's just a bad look. It's, it's a bad situation. And I'm not okay with it in any way, shape, or form. All right, Alex, anything to add to Josh's answer? So to some extent, I you have to imagine 
that they're doing it to to like to sow discord and to um like and to kind of discredit the entire organization we only say we only reveal we revealed one person but that's not to say that he's the only one and if you are already let's say you know um if you don't if you already don't like if you've been burned by one person you're very likely to not trust the next person i don't and i say now i don't understand why this I don't understand why why this was better than the alternative beyond just like, like just just informing them. Hey, um, one at least one of your high ranking uh, people is a uh, is an informant, and we're just not going to tell you who. Like, like that would have sown the same amount of discord. Well, uh, maybe maybe that's true. Maybe they don't believe them. Yeah. Right? So maybe because of the nature of the people that you were working with. Um, they just like they just decided to make the, like to make this call. Um, again, I, I we like we already established like I, I don't agree with the decision, yep. but may, like maybe that's the like the calculus that's going on there. Yeah, I think you both could be right. The one thing I will add because I know this section has gone long. The one thing I'll add is that we should consider the internal dynamics of newsrooms has changed quite a bit. So while it may have been an old school standard that you would never just blow an FBI source like this, that may not be true. Um, and I don't want to say that people with who believe that, you know, uh, news media should have a more I hate terms like social justice. But there are that that is a growing segment of newsrooms now. So there's a growing segment of them who do believe newspapers have a different set of responsibilities and maybe protecting protecting a source if that person is a terrible person that that may not be a standard they hold anymore which raises some uh you know the questions we're raising here it's it raises some interesting implications so i'll leave it at that because i don't want this section to go any longer but like i said every friday we have uh what are typically almost always fascinating poll questions across social media so uh, respond, uh, read them, respond, let us know what you think. That's all I Typically. got. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, think I don't want to overpromise. Questions, but that's me. Gosh. But maybe I'm a little biased. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for uh, giving that. I'll go ahead and plug that one more time, guys. Again, every Friday, we, we really enjoy interacting with you guys. So, like, please like, comment, like, comment. Good Lord. I can't talk today. <laughs> I was about to say like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> but we're not that kind of podcast. So, yeah, Alex. Yeah, buddy. Lay it on me. Um, well, my body is ready. I mean, so I actually have some. I wouldn't call it good. Let's just say less horrifying news. That's a start. So the total number of new of new cases per week has go- we dropped below two hundred thousand. Oh, that's good. We're at one hundred forty one thousand five hundred fifty nine this week for the and, and like that's we, we're we're on a decline. Like we've seen a steep, rather steep decline throughout January. Now part of that's that it's January and that people are staying in and it's just winter and like the travel season is like we're not we're not traveling any as much anymore, right? The holidays are over. Everyone's coming home. Everyone is largely staying home so if that continues yeah we are as a um, unfortunately like number of deaths are still going up uh so this week we are averaging two thousand uh around 2800 deaths a day uh which is which is down from the peak at about 3200 but it's still uncomfortably high yeah you know it's still a not i say it's still not quite a 9-11 a day but pretty close so um case uh case hotspots across the country include um 
Arizona, Texas, Georgia, South Carolina, New York, and Rhode Island. And that New York statistic is uh, even if you exclude New York City. Oh, like that's the you know, like yeah, that's the that's yeah. the rural upstate New York. Oh, so with the exception of Rhode Island and New York, you see that like those are mostly southern uh, southern places, and you're seeing that partially because of the political the politicization of COVID, right? We've we've seen that before, but also because they have like they have warm weather, so like the, the we're they're not seeing the the seasonal depression that the rest of us are seeing. Death hotspots. Uh, we only have two this um uh this week. Arizona, uh, likely from the shortage of ICU beds, they're sitting at about eight percent free ICU beds across the state. Oh, yeah. So ninety two percent of all of their ICU beds are occupied. At any given moment, every uh, the all week, and then also in Mississippi, which uh, similar to Arizona is having a uh, just a shortage of ICU beds. There, they have about thirteen percent availability, uh, but also they are having issues due to a shortage in medical staff, especially in more rural areas. That makes sense. Yeah. Well. And most uh, of the COVID numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Something I was thinking just there, the thing we consider like an improvement now is still like four or five times worse than where we were in, say, April or May yes. in terms of number of cases, For yeah. sure. which really illustrates how out of control it actually is. We're yes. like happy it's like 150,000 cases, but that's like five times worse than when we shut everything down in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an improvement, but some perspective also, not that you don't always, but like it's just useful, I think, for our audience to be like, look. It's worse than it's ever been, except for the last two weeks. <laughs> except for the past month, yeah. Right, right, exactly. And let, let's so, hope now that we have a new administration, the actual, you know, progress that we make continues to trend upward. Yep. Yeah, um, and I mean, so not that Biden, say, uh, Biden, to his credit, has already implemented, like, federal mask um, policy, which, you know, if you're on federal ground, you have to wear a mask. I mean, that, that like, that only, like, that only applies to federal, like, to federal land, but that's not, that's not nothing, right? It's no longer a super spreader event at the White House every month. Fair. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's fair, because that happens. Okay, so... Thank you. Thank you for that, Alex, that that wonderful check in. We I I I intentionally choose not to look up these numbers about a week before we do this, just so that way I can always be just a little bit surprised uh, to know where we were from, like what I last saw, uh, which was normally getting worse. So I'm glad, actually, that these are a bit better than the things that I saw. But again, as pointed out, this is still crazy out of hand and uh, we should fix it sometime soon. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit on a few highlights of uh, some really interesting articles uh, on the on the site now or on the uh, Facebook page. Feel free to, uh, I'm not going to actually be reading them or anything, but feel free to follow along on the Facebook page should you want to. Um, one of the most recent articles, and this I did not actually know before I looked up this, uh, before we started recording here, is the, uh, everybody has seen like the picture of like the guy who's got like the fur hat and the horns. Um, he's effectively referenced as like the Viking shaman. Um, <laughs> According to his lawyer, he is willing to testify now against Trump uh, during the impeachment trial, which is not something I would have ever thought possible. His name is Dick or Jacob Chansley. He's from Arizona. He calls himself the Q or QAnon shaman, and he feels betrayed by Trump 
who failed to pardon him and all the others who attacked the Capitol. A couple of people around him uh, stated effectively that that Chanley or Chansley, I probably said that wrong, Chansley, is uh, willing to discuss whether the words of former President Trump were understood by Mr. Chansley, Chansley to be nothing short of an invitation to go to the Capitol with the president and fight like hell. We know that effectively, given, you know, the the new impeachment uh, that's coming up for Trump, things like that are going to be very impactful as to the outcome of the trial itself. So we'll see how that ends up taking part of it. There's a bit more uh, about Chansley and the people around him in the article itself, if you want to read that. Um, moving on, another thing to mention about Trump, this is apparently Trump news time. It, well, I mean, it's always been Trump news time. I just hope that eventually goes away <laughs> now that he's no longer president. Trump's impeachment lawyers are effectively leaving his team. Trump has lost effectively his top three impeachment lawyers just days before the trial is going to begin, confirmed by a person familiar with the legal strategy and two attorneys that are close to the team. Butch Bowers and Deborah Barbier, I'm pretty sure I said those names wrong, are two South Carolina lawyers who are no longer with the team. Butch himself was reportedly set to play a major role in the Senate's trial of the former president. They both state, uh, Butch and Deborah, uh, that it was a mutual decision to leave the team itself. In addition, CNN also reported on Saturday night that a third member of Trump's prospective legal team, Josh Howard, was also leaving. Um, all these people effectively seem to have left because Trump wanted them to focus on the erroneous, argu the erroneous arguments of the mass election fraud rather than the constitutionality of impeaching an ex-president. So that's the thing. And the last thing I want to go ahead and cover today is the Dodger Stadium vaccine site and the fact that it was hounded by protesters. Dodger Stadium, for all those who aren't familiar with it, has been effectively repurposed into a giant vaccine distribution site. Uh, and it's, it was shut down for about an hour after a group of anti-vaccination protesters gathered at the entrance to the parking lot. Uh, authorities at the scene responded to the arrival of the protesters. Apparently, there were about 30 total by closing off the facility entirely, leaving the hundreds of drivers and passengers that were currently in route or, you know, in wait to receive their, their drive up vaccine to wait in line while it was closed. The LA Fire Department closed the entrance to the stadium at around 2 p.m. as a precaution when they first started showing up. And around 2.53 p.m., uh, the protesters stepped aside after police reinforcements arrived on the scene and it was confirmed uh, effectively that things were moving uh, back around that time by a tweet from a passenger who was currently in line at the time. The LAPD later tweeted that all scheduled vaccines will be delivered despite the delay and clarified that it wasn't them who closed the gates. California Governor Gavin Newsom also responded to the incident, saying that the state would not be deterred or threatened from delivering vaccines to those who were looking to get them. That's some That's some current news. That's some, some current numbers in the realm of politics. So in just a second, we will be back with our discussion portion of the show. We'll be right back. I would say welcome back, but you're still here. This is recap again, except the roundtable portion where we go ahead and take a topic and we discuss it amongst ourselves as uh, normal. But today is a bit different. Um, normally, I would come to these discussions with like a, a 
a preparation. Normally there's something that I am prepared to discuss with the group, but today there's something that's been happening in recent news that doesn't, I, I, maybe I'm just not exactly familiar with. So I brought in some experts here. Uh, you already know them, Alex and Anthony. They were with us earlier today. Although I have added uh, Francine, the, the boss lady of, of PointCast, and Sasha, one of our other writers. We're, we're here today because I, I want to get some information as to what's going on with these stocks. I've heard a lot of things about stocks and GameStop that's been going on recently. Yeah, yeah. GameStop stocks, which uh, you don't want to have to say a bunch of times real fast. As I've been doing all week. GameStop stocks. Um, okay. So... <laughs> So, uh, so I guess to, to frame it, what I want to go ahead and do first is talk about effectively what actually happened. So yeah. I know a lot of people, myself included, actually don't quite know anything about the stock market or whatever has actually happened. I just know that somehow GameStop is like a Fortune 500 company now. So <laughs> talk to me about what actually happened. So obviously it's a, it's involving GameStop stocks. What 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 happened? What what what's the situation here? All right, Anthony, do you, you want to? How, how do you want to do this? No, man, go ahead. Go you you do the recap. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. There's a subreddit on on Reddit. So if you guys aren't familiar with Reddit, like um, it's a big just just forum website, and there are a whole bunch of sub forums, and you can and so one of these sub forums called like called subreddits is uh, Wall Street Wall bets. Street bets, and someone on Wall Street bets uh, observed over the uh, over the past that GameStop stock had been sold short uh, by a by a massive margin by a couple of uh, hedge funds, one in particular being Melvin Capital. There are some words there, so let's let's break those down a little bit. So um, short selling is a uh, type of, so yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to explain. It's, a t- it's an exchange that you can do on the stock market in which the, you are betting that the stock will go down. So, you pro- so when you short sell, um, and I'll, I'll go over like a bit more detail, like what that means. Um, but like from, a, from the TLDR version is um, you short sell when you expect a stock price to drop in the, say in the near future. So you say at a particular point in the future, I expect this stock to drop. Uh, so I will short sell the stock. And if that stock does drop, you reap um, profit equal to the, to the amount that it dropped times the number of shares that you short sold. Okay. That's the, that's the TLDR. So like, how does it actually work? Is that you, uh, you use some type of broker to borrow a, a stock that you, that you don't currently own, that you're going, um, and you're going to sell it now. And you will set a time period like so that 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 point in the future where you will buy it. So I am selling a future investment that I will buy at a later date, at a, or say at a later time, not even at a later date, but so, sometimes just like a later time. But you don't own it. I don't yeah. own it. That is very important. Yeah. I currently don't own it. Okay. Yeah. With the idea that when it when you eventually buy it back, you'll buy it back for less money than I sold it for. Yeah. Correct. So then obviously you bank profit off of the, the difference. Okay. Correct. So uh that that's the that's the idea. Um so someone in Reddit noticed that um and these say and these are public I say when you short sell that information is public so they noted that um GameStop stock was sh- currently short uh which was currently at four dollars 
is at four dollars a share was currently short um say uh being short sold for over 120 percent of the total wow. number of of shares that exist oh essentially does that just put it out of business it's just done um so yes that that tends to be what happens to companies that um like, like th this is like what's called squeezing them out of the market mm -hmm. um by by depreciating their stock like by signaling a depreciation depreciation of their stock you mm -hmm. deprive them of gaining capital mm -hmm. and this okay. tends to draw you know to drive the company further and forth further toward bankruptcy if right. they're not already or right. you know some or some massive restructuring or some massive sell okay and we know that like gamestop was already on the outs because of the nature of like online Their business model yeah <laughs> because like no one no one buys physical game media anymore by any stretch of the imagination so that that makes sense to me unless you're old and a purist like, like <laughs> me <laughs> um and so, 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 so they noticed this, and they just said, "Hey guys, um, a lot of this, a lot of this uh, short sold selling is uh, managed by Melvin Capital, which is just this big hedge fund." And um, they did some, they did some math, and they were like, "Hey guys, if we all just buy GameStop stock, and we drive, uh, and we like, we buy, like, we just buy it." And, uh, and like and continue to like we would raise the price and if we raise the price above our particular threshold we blow up the hedge fund they would owe more on this short sell wow. than they have total liquid assets oh. so that's the thing so that's the, so that's this like so that's the thing about short selling is there is an infinite um uh, amount of potential loss Cause there, you know, there's like, there's, you know, a stock can only go down so much, but there's mm -hmm. no limits to how high the stock can go. Mm, okay. So they just said, let's just drive up. Say they got a bunch say there are a bunch of us here. We've got, we've got some capital to us. Let's just drive up the stock and we'll blow up this hedge fund. Can I, can I ask a clarifying question here? Sure. What's to stop the, the hedge fund from just like, I, I know that the, the idea is that they would, buy it back in the future but does something stop them from can they, can they just not buy it back then no they... no you've put in a short sell you have a, you have yeah. made you have made this agreement oh also they're right. required to buy it back yes it's a contract they're linked so short sales have a length of time so yeah you have to have you have to buy it back and return the stock by oh you know, 30 days <laughs> 60 days a year whatever your contract is yeah yeah, yeah. i see so it wasn't so let me add something else also it's not just to blow up the hedge fund so what what also happens is that when the price of the stock goes up uh in order to start covering their losses the hedge fund starts buying the stock at the higher price and so this like, this goes from what's called a short squeeze into what is like it gets ridiculous you get into like gamma squeeze territory so they start buying the stock at the higher price to start covering the loss on their short but that keeps driving up the price of the stock. Yes. So. <laughs> wow, it's actually kind of beautiful if you planned it yeah. that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is some collective action. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, so, and 
Um, and uh, largely, as I and Melvin Capital, um, I'd say did did not, uh, despite blowing past that threshold, because partially part of what Anthony was uh, saying, but also because they they reached out to some of their other hedge fund uh, people, and they received um, a very large investment from them to help cut, like to keep them liquid. So, so what what do the people get out of the people who help drive up the the price? Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I'm not sure what the end game is. Well, they make well, one. They blow up a hedge fund, so they uh, they the uh, the masses get to lash out at the people who have ruined their lives. Oh, so to have ruined vengeance! Lives. I dig it. Vengeance is still so not this, 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 this is a crucial. This is a crucial area of disagreement amongst Alex and I. By the way, this okay. is a very so what, crucial area. So, what's your take? What's your take? What's your take, Anthony? Um, a lot of the people on the side that are making the money on this squeeze are big, huge investors. So, like the the people holding the most shares of GameStop, like. GameStop stock. Jesus. One of them, <laughs> <laughs> like one of them, is like GameStop for the rest of the uh, right. The GameStop. rest of the podcast. The people GameStop. holding GameStop, uh, most of them are big investment firms, and a lot of them are big individual investors. Um, you know, we have billionaires who have bought twelve million dollars worth of shares, like last February. If you've seen the movie The Big Short, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the movie The Big Short. Kristen mm -hmm. Bale's character, Michael Burry, in real life. He's actually one of the people who bought a bunch of GameStop. Um, and so he's going to be a big winner again. <laughs> um, so Alex and I have disagreed about the origins of the movement. I tend to think that this is actually mostly Goliath punching another Goliath. Uh, but it's a smaller sport. Goliath punching it's a, a smaller larger Goliath. Goliath. But it's so... not Goliath. It's like the, it's like the top 10% punching the top one percent or maybe the top five percent even punching the top one percent the top like, point one percent right so yeah. like the primary winners are going to be super rich people like that's going to be the primary winners there will be some others alex is correct there will be some other winners among sort of the the masses we will have our winners the big winners will be wealthy people but the losers are probably going to be the masses because of Alex, what Alex mentioned, the hedge fund was bailed out by another hedge fund. They're not, and Robin Hood. The losers are going to be the masses and probably Robin Hood. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, so we, we need to we need to get to, we need to get to Robin Hood. We, we need to we need to get there. Yes, yes, so, yes please. I, I've heard right. a lot about Robin Hood, and this is like the second part of what I wanted to cover today, which yes. is effectively like okay. how people responded. So I know that. Uh, obviously something robin hood did something but again i don't i don't really know exactly what's going on there so like the, a, a lot of robin hood's getting a lot of flack for doing something and i i believe the the federal government also stepped in and, and made some adjustments too i believe so like what so what 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 was the fallout from this what what did people do all right so again we we have to understand you kind of have to understand all, all of the things um we are we have to at least account for all of the uh, things going on here. So the stock market was not built to allow um, uh, mass access to it. It was always, it was, like, it was not like, there's not a democratized stock market. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was built for insiders. Yes. Like the idea for like stocks were that like individuals could buy them, like the masses could buy them, 
but if you were going to do anything with them, you had to go through this circle of insiders. And these are 10, sorry, go ahead, go Francine. No, I was, so it's not like Acorn and some of those apps that individuals will download. Robinhood is on a totally different level. Oh, so no, Acorn, say Acorns is a lot, um, okay, actually, I don't wanna, I don't want to be, be too generous. <laughs> say things that I haven't researched yet. Okay, um, sorry. But sorry. as a but those um, but largely those things still go through um, one of the big um, uh, what's the word trade trade like, brokers brokerage firms brokerage firms. Thank you. Yep, that's how it was built. That you would go through stockbrokers if you wanted to really do anything. Whereas uh, Robinhood allows you to not just like invest. So like things like Acorn, you can invest in pretty standard investments. So Robinhood mm -hmm. doesn't just allow you to invest. It allows you to do even more complicated versions of trading that you really don't need to know the details of, but things like options and things like and futures, and which is not standard trading. It's not like investing in an index fund. Mm -hmm. That is not mm -hmm. what Robinhood is, is built around. It is built around allowing you to do more complicated versions of trading without having to go directly through a stockbroker. I see. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so and they Robin made it Hood, free. Right. So uh, Robinhood mostly. was really <laughs> was supposed to be as it was kind of coined as this democratization of the stock market. Oh, you no. too say you too can can invest. You too can learn how to do these things, uh, just like the like the big players, and like as I and um like Anthony said. So part of the reason that this was um that this just never happened before was that these brokerage firms would would have fees, and every time you wanted to do a transaction, there was some fee associated with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. And I mean, largely like that kind of eliminates a lot of like, if you don't have sufficient capital to cover fees, you're not, you don't have, you can't play the game. So uh, I say, and so Robinhood got around this tech kind of, and Anthony, I'm going to let you yeah. cover that part <laughs> um, because you've done more research on this portion than I have. Yeah. So Robinhood, um, there are no, transaction fees directly paid. So if you want to trade on Robinhood, you don't pay a percent or whatever to execute a trade. But Robinhood is actually what they've done is they moved it like one or two steps behind the curtain. So Robinhood makes money because when you execute a trade, they then pass this information on to other like high frequency traders. And I know Alex, we know about high frequency trading. It is like Computers doing all this stuff for you. It's it's bad. It's like it's not been great uh, because no human really knows what's going on. But Robinhood passes your information on and they take a portion of that. So if you're doing a lot of trading, Robinhood gets paid more, um, but they don't charge you directly. Now, you do end up getting a slightly worse deal from Robinhood. Actually, if you were doing like a lot of shares, you would actually just be better off going to a traditional broker, even if there were fees. So Robinhood has simply moved the mechanism by which they charge people to trade. It's it's invisible at the point of service, right? When you hit buy or sell, it's invisible, but it is there. And this has actually led to Robinhood developing a lot of methods to turn trading, like gamification of trading, things we've seen with Facebook, hit you with those notifications. Man, you get that dopamine rush when someone likes your post. 
Robinhood has adopted a lot of this into trading, even though some of the trading they're allowing is riskier and is stuff that, frankly, if you don't know financial markets, you actually shouldn't be participating in. But they encourage their users to do it because they get paid and they gamify the process, right? Oh, you hit this, you executed a trade, they might rain confetti on your screen, give you that dopamine rest that makes you feel like you did something good, even if you lost money. To people who know what this sounds like, this is what happens when you pull a when you pull a one arm bandit at the casino. Even if you lose, they give you a bunch of flashing lights, and you get to see some lights. They're like, "Oh man, but you just lost! Like, <laughs> we just took your money. Oh, but you felt good when you pulled the handle, right? Like, so Robinhood has applied these same methods that we see in casinos, the same methods you see on Facebook and Twitter that make you want to get that rush by constantly checking your notifications. Got to go make my trades. Got to go make my trades." They've applied this to high-risk trading in some cases. When we talk about did they democratize trading, yes, but the cost is that they're also using exploitative methods to get people to trade more. Now, the thing to note here, and I talked about this, there's no, the safest thing you can do, and this is not a financial podcast, but the safest thing you could do is like park your money at an index fund and walk away. That's it. Put your money in an index fund and walk away for like 40 years. Like that's it. That's the, that's that's there's that's how you beat quote unquote beat the market is you park your money somewhere safe and you just leave it and you don't touch it. People who trade more typically perform worse because if you're constantly buying and selling, buying and selling, you're trying to catch the next trend, you actually perform worse. Day trading is actually less beneficial than just parking your money somewhere safe. And like Robinhood was called on this like last year. The New York Times actually ran articles about this. So did Vox, uh, VOX Vox. They talked about this. It's actually, day trading is risky. Trying to chase options in the next high, catch the next rush at the right time is really risky. But they've employed all these in the name of democratization. They weren't necessarily good guys even before this. And, mm-hmm. and I, I have been really skeptical of the narrative that they were doing a good thing. We should be really careful that the behavior they were enabling was not necessarily good. So like Acorn Investments, which you mentioned, if you just want to round up, you know, because I use Acorn, right? You spend 65 cents, round up that 35, stick it in an investment fund, stick it in somewhere basic. Like that's good. If you want to experiment with using index funds and mutual funds, that's great. Like that's perfect. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do riskier trading, we should be really careful before we call that good. But it has opened it up to a lot of people. This is where some of the pandemic stuff comes in even. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been sitting at home doing nothing. Robinhood saw a huge explosion in users over the course of the pandemic, like massive explosions of people like just doing day trading. So um, so that's some of the background in terms of Robinhood. Now, in terms of what happened, Josh, why they pulled their... So, so at a on, certain hold point, hold on. We, are we, we, are we yeah, there we yet? To, or? We, say, we haven't gotten there yet. So, okay. <laughs> all right. So, the, so we have this. So you have this group of redditors who decide they're going to blow up this hedge fund, yeah. um, for profit, for vengeance, for what lulls. you know, for the lulls. <laughs> um, uh, they decided they were going to do this, and um, they were in a lot of, and say not all of them, but a lot of them use Robin, Robin uh, to do this. And as the um, as the stock price rose, um, it became what's called um, anything that like ra- that rapidly rises or rapidly shrinks is co- is like is considered like a volatile stock, and it's always a risky thing because there's always the chance, like the like the very like the likelihood is that like there, this is some type of bubble event, and so um, 
uh, it, it's like it raises some flags, like when it's you know when something shifts one thousand yep. <laughs> percent in like forty eight hours. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a pretty good likelihood it's going to drop a 800, yep. 900% back down yep. to where it was. In like three hours, it'll just right. fall off a cliff. Right. So, um, so this is like, so this is, you know, a volatile stock. It's high risk. So these brokers, cause remember Robinhood still goes through these brokers. They say, they started saying, well, we need collateral to know that you are going uh, to know like because this is a high risk thing for us we need to know that you're good for it and eventually um at least in the at least in the instance of robin hood they reached their maximum collateral and they couldn't do anymore they just didn't have the like they just didn't have the funds to like to can to back up the things that their users wanted them wanted to do. Wait a minute, is this Robin Hood didn't have the collateral? Yeah, correct. Okay, I just want to make yeah. sure I'm okay. Yep. All right. Yep. There are third parties who go between like the trader and the client. And those third parties like to have some collateral. They like you to have the capital necessary to cover the trading activity. Now you don't ever run into this with normal uh, your big boys don't have this problem, right? Like because they have Charles accounts, Schwab. they have house yeah. accounts to cover. It, I mean, and Charles Schwab just like they they got the black. I told this Alex, they got the black card. Like we can cover whatever the trading is. We're good for it. Like <laughs> open up the open up open it up, baby. But Robinhood doesn't, and this is one of the side effects of actually not charging directly for trading, is that their capital is less than someone with a similar number of clients might be. And, and so, so and so at so, some point. <laughs> Right. They just had to say, and just is they they had to just stop trading. Robinhood yep. had to stop trading, oh. and that yep. is, yeah, yeah, um, and that <laughs> one optically looks terrible, awful. So wait a minute, let me back up here. <laughs> just, let me just, I think, just to be clear, so Robinhood was they had all these trades they wanted to pass on and then they were called on and said hey you can't do any more trades until you collateralize these request trade requests that you're trying to put in they didn't have the money so they were shut down and in effect shut yeah. down from trading so it yeah. wasn't robin hood's decision to shut it down it was they're called clearing houses clearing houses and what decision. they have said and i have read this from a number of people who know way more about this than i do is that the sec as part of regulations meant to protect customers actually from mm -hmm. just because what you don't want right is mm -hmm. um you don't want to make a bunch of trades and then when you go to get your money you just can't because they can't cover what you've traded like we we're right. not good for it like mm -hmm. what so uh the clearing houses will just say no you need to put up more money so i had shared a link in our in our private group actually mm -hmm. about how robin hood had to get more money from the bank Mm -hmm. early on this is why they had to get more money from the bank they also had to get more money from other funds from other investment funds this is why because they they literally needed capital to resume trading on these oh. stocks because they were so volatile that they had to put up more collateral to offset the volatility and it looked as alex mentioned it looked awful like total service failure at the moment where you really need nothing more than to let people keep trading they had to stop but mm -hmm. right now it doesn't appear that there's anything untoward. Though I'm not and willing. Already, 
Say, and there's already a class action lawsuit against them, right? Yeah, Real, uh, against yeah. Robin Hood. Against yep. Robin Hood. Who's 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 doing the suing? The who, users. Who launched it? The so users. the. Wall Street I, I say, I say, so the say the users are, are I say are rightfully making the argument. I am good. Like I have the money or I have the credit. I ha I'm I I can make these like I can pay for these things, and I should have been able to to do those things. You violated your terms of service, and that caused me harm. Yeah. Oh, so it's sort of like suing the casino if they run out of the money that you just yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you guys are clarifying this because there's just been so much thrown out yeah. about this, and I'm sure there's a lot more to learn. And we're not done. Oh my we're gosh. Not, we're not done. We're, we're, but, but, but hold on, let's pause, actually. Does anyone like want to throw anything at us before we keep going? I know, like, Sasha, I know you've been like, like, ready to get in like we've we've thrown a lot the, out the here. irony of it for me <laughs> is that robin hood which is in the name is supposed to be this like grandiose for the people when the people needed you most you said yeah my bad homie, I ain't gonna be able homie to show up, man. my car didn't clear homie this is when you fail you had one job literally you, their job is to literally one. let the people trade. That's actually your tagline. Let the people trade. That's that's your and, whole marketing slogan. And and wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I so mean, in, wow. So in essence, they're going to testify against themselves. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but that's why it's Which important why it's to like, recognize that Robinhood is a Silicon Valley company. Like you know, we talk about the disruptors. Like Robinhood is just another Silicon Valley disruptor company who has just come across a really good slogan <laughs> marketing yeah marketing. yeah yeah um and so 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 the the future of robin hood is um uncertain <laughs> at best <laughs> um yeah okay i say i would say but that's only but that's only robin hood but robin hood was not the only people who stopped trades a marriage trade also stopped trades um yeah uh there are a few other um uh brokerage firms i don't do you remember what they were do you have a list there was webull webull had to put some restrictions on but they're another app they're kind of like another robin hood um and i've been trying to run down why this happened some people are suspecting it's because as robin hood failed the trading activity shifted to other platforms and then they also started to run into the same like like more like capitalization problems and it just started to back the whole system up um which is an argument that so this the ripple effects of this the market was down on a couple of these days despite there being really positive news like apple had a hundred billion dollars quarter and lost stock that day wow. right because a bunch of ripple effects started running through the market as people who had short stocks started selling their good stuff and people couldn't trade and the whole thing kind of like collapsed on itself real fast and so it's unclear it is currently unclear um what the what the consequence what if any consequences there will be for them as well because again the narrative going around here is um because marriage like ameritrade in particular did not block all transactions yeah they just right. stopped 
They just stopped GameStop. Right. Um, and they GameStop stock, AMC stock, and one now. of these other. Oh yeah, we should also add now. that that people were looking at what's our next target, and AMC seemed perfect because of the pandemic and the stock now. has you know rapidly declined. This it's, is a perfect time to buy. Low. It's worth pointing out because you know I don't want to. I don't care about Ameritrade or Schwab, but they did release a statement in which they said they did not halt any buying or selling. They said we did increase margin requirements on some stocks to ensure clients had assets necessary to pay for their purchases. Because again, it's the capitalization problem. Like, look, if you're going to trade volatile stocks now, you got to put up some extra dough here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, do you got it or not? Because like you're, you know, so they have said they didn't. And there was a lot of information rolling around in the first 24, 36 hours that was not really accurate. But okay. by then it was too late. Like the, sure. it had left. I think, I think well, at least in my perspective, I think that's part of the problem is that I, so many people understood this in so many different ways. Yeah. And so many different things were tossed out that it was impossible for me to follow it. Because every time I saw something, it felt like it was contradicting the information that I saw from somewhere else. Yeah. And I have a question. I actually have two questions. What about the people who are suspicious of the trading being stopped to protect the interests of certain people or groups? Um, that That's what I've heard. And you know, there's always going to be a, a rumor mill. I don't know if there's any truth to it. And the second is, how does this truly benefit GameStop if it's just their time to go out of business? Well, so so, uh, so the first part is is what I'm talking about. When, like when I'm like, it really it's really unclear, and yep. a full investigation is going to is going to be have to be performed on who knew what when, and what say yep. what did and what did they do and why. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because um and that kind of cut. I say and we'll get a little bit further when we get further into the segment. There we'll circle back to that discussion. Um, because, uh, there's some other, there's some government actions and things going on right now that, um, that we'll, we'll just, that are coming out about as a result of this. And we'll talk about those when we get there, yes. whenever we do. The second part is, um, it doesn't seem to be helping GameStop. So they, I don't think so I they can issue new stocks, for instance, because it, uh, most people seem to think the SEC would frown on them. Uh, it would maybe be illegal for them to actually issue new stocks right now. <laughs> um, so it's not clear if they have a way to actually capitalize on this. <laughs> I know that stock selling is supposed to be about raising money, but it's also based on the valuation of a company. Right. So rather it's projected or actual income or some combination thereof. And I just not sure. That's why I asked the question about GameStop. If it's really, what is, you know, going to help either those investors or the company itself? And I, I want to circle back to that discussion. Um, At your, okay. Like, Sorry about that. Here, yeah. here in a, no, I say here in a moment. Um, maybe when we get to the end. Okay. But the other part of that is um, what, uh, what does this do for GameStop is really unclear. Um, so I, you, it's quite possible that GameStop I say I don't know how many stocks the company owned of itself. You presume that they own at least fifty percent. Mm -hmm. um, but I say so. It's quite. I say, but it would have been reasonable for them to just sell. I mean, they they went from four dollars a share to 
What did it max at, Anthony? Uh, four. It maxed at like four ninety at one point, which is good. Good lord. <laughs> four hundred ninety dollars a share. Something like that. Um. So like they, wow. they, they, they could have sold some of oh those. God. So they sold um, some of those and have a nice cash infusion. Um. To and say and that's that's the other part of this. Um. GameStop stock was actually projected. They had good news. They were projected yep. to um because they had made. They were going to transition into like competitive gaming. There was a new CEO, the guy who's like the CEO of Chewy, mm -hmm. had invested in it and uh, was going to sort of orchestrate some positive changes. Mm -hmm. You figure post pandemic, like they would have had some uptick. There are new consoles out. Um, there was reason to think that maybe in like third or fourth quarter of this year, they, they might have had some sort of bounce back coming. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's like so reasonable. Bounce back from four, which is like the thing to keep in mind. Like, you never short a stock when it's $4 because there's just not that far left for it to go. It's just yeah. dumb. It, right. It's just bad stock well, <laughs> practice. Well, so yes and no. And that's what I say. And that's, and we'll get back to this yeah. uh, later. But that's what we're talking about. Like, with this squeeze, yep. um, was that they were, um, it's kind of, it's, it's unclear. Um, if they were doing it just to, uh, as a, you know, as a convenient vehicle to um, have a small multiplier on their, um, on their investment portfolio, or if their intention was to just, um, you know, squash GameStop for, say, for, for like for other, like for other reasons, but had this, you know, had this um, uh, squeeze them out of the market strategy succeeded, GameStop might have not been able to bin liquid long enough to um, to see those um, increases, right, Anthony? Yep, yep. They may not have been. Yeah. So again, it's not totally clear, like like if this translates into anything great for GameStop or not. It's unclear. Yeah. Uh, which I think, if the, I don't know, does that bring us to your third thing you want to know right. about, John? Yeah, so, like, so yeah. the only other thing I wanted to ask before we effectively get into kind of the long-term implications of all this stuff was like, what role did the government play in this? So there are two SEC filings, one of which um, is looking into um, the uh, what the Redditors did. Um, was this market let's say was this um market manipulation and like does it like and is it criminal uh and that's that's one filing and the other filing is into the underlying effects of the of the of the system like that capital utilization problem that we were talking about like uh, about a bit ago and um who is say who say who knew what when what did they do why did they do it and um this is also probably a big problem but like this is really disturbing that like you know that um stocks like the stock market just kind of was was held largely just paralyzed by this one thing okay uh yeah yeah okay so, so if you're asking though like did files. the government step in and do anything about the trading i i haven't personally seen any evidence that the government there were rumors, right, that like, well, the White House called and told them to stop. But I haven't actually seen any evidence that the government stepped in and like actively told anybody to stop doing anything. Because I, I, I mean, have. And that's why I right, was confused. Right. There have been a lot of rumors about it. Um, 
and while I hesitate to, to say the government is the government's never like always above board, but I, I haven't seen anything that would indicate that the government has done anything like nefarious here. Um, so you don't think there's a plot to protect the rich interests of those at the hedge fund as some are pointing out? The hedge out? fund people are going to be fine. Mm -hmm. They're going to bail each other out. You know, the, the guy at the head of Melvin Capital, he made like $300 million two years ago. Like mm -hmm. He's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You may shave a few tens off of his, few tens of millions off his salary this year, but like he's, he's good. He's going to be like totally, totally fine. You know what I mean? Like, um, that hedge fund itself, Melvin Capital, will be fine. Again, except Robin Hood. Everybody, the big boys will escape fine, except Robin Hood, who might actually eat it here. <laughs> so who are the big losers here? Is it just Robin Hood? Uh, the big losers have yet to be determined. That This is the other part of the story that I think should really be kept in mind. The big losers have not come to play, have not shown up, because the stock bubble hasn't popped yet. When the bubble pops... The, it's going to be everybody left holding the bag, which is so uh, going to be most people. Those are the big losers. Whoever's left holding the bag when the stock price goes from three ninety all the way back down to like twenty five or something. So it's a, yeah. So this part's unclear. This is this is unclear to me. We've talked about this at length, Anthony. What's the yeah. what's the what's the guy's name? He's the angry Jim Cramer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Jim yeah. Cramer went on. Uh, so he went on Fox News and um, uh, Fox Business. Sorry, I should. Um, and was and say, and he went on one of his tirades uh, talking about um, what these like what these redditors did. And he's like, "What's their argument? We like the stock. We like yeah. the stock. And like they just you know they're just gonna you know, drive drive it up. And so it's really it's it's un like it's unclear like who, who the losers are going to like what the fallout from this is going to be and who the losers are going to be and the stock that, price like, and we are certainly like and i know you and i are actually like at odds here <laughs> yeah i think the losers will be so eventually all the short positions will be squeezed out the squeeze will be complete the shorts will be like completely squeezed out and at that point you will just have people holding a highly overvalued stock and uh, which is only which is only bad if they bought it at, while it was highly overvalued right right uh, but I a lot of them probably did we'll, we'll see um and i think the losers are going to be whoever has bought into the bubble because that's the way the bubbles work is when it gets popped what's going to happen is it's going to collapse and they won't be able to offload their shares because there won't be any buyers anymore because right, right now, again, they're they're counting on the people doing the buying or trying to offset some of their losses. And eventually, they'll squeeze them out. They'll fully exit. You'll have no buyers, and the stock will just collapse and freefall at that point. And you will, and they won't be able to sell it because there won't be anyone interested in buying it, and it'll just collapse. And this is what happens every time there's a bubble. People think they'll be able to sell at the top, but they won't. Because what's going to happen is the big players are going to sell their shares, and the bubble is going to collapse. This has been my prediction, and I I could be totally wrong. But I think the people who own like four or five percent, like the guy in Michigan I mentioned, he he owns five percent of GameStop, um, and GameStop shares. I love shares. that you're still doing that. I Thank mean, you. we're just gonna I'm just gonna do it at this point. He owns five percent of GameStop shares. They are now worth over a billion dollars. He paid thirteen million. At some point, that guy, that guy will exit if he's smart. And when he exits, like that's the signal that uh, the collapse is coming. Or God forbid, like the CEO of GameStop, like, like, God forbid one of their executives sells their shares, which would be a real signal that the time has come and the bubble is now collapsing fully.
Yeah. So the other, um, <laughs> and now the other part of this is, uh, like I say, like who, like the, the winners, right. And Anthony, you were talking about like, you know, yes, a lot of the winners, the people who win most, like are people who were already do like who already had the capital and just been like, yeah, I can throw around $13 million in stock and stock options. That's, yep. that's a thing I can do. Um, but there are, like you said, there are going to be a lot of smaller winners, and we've already seen those. There are people who who made life-changing yep. amounts of money. Yep. And I don't want to discount that, but in our private conversation, you know what I called it, which is I called it trickle-down economics. And you're right. It, like, you're absolutely right. That's what, it, that's what it is. You're right. Which doesn't make me feel great. <laughs> it's too late. It, it, it's too late. You put you put it out there. But so I mean, that's what I. That's yeah. There will be some smaller percentage of normie pe normals who will win. Normies. Let's call us normies. Normies. Oh God. Yeah. Now we're the talking video people. games. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We're talking video games, and now the the lingo is fully out here. There's nothing I All can right. do to take it. Yeah. Wow. So okay. Uh, but yeah. So to get back to the so to get back to the other the other point of so Francine, you were talking about like what what is stock, and then I think this is a conversation that we all uh, that we as a society like may just like need need to start having now, mm -hmm. um because again so Jim uh with Jim Cramer is that Jim Cramer all right like mad just, money he's a trope <laughs> like that's that's all he is. <laughs> So he, you know, he's, he said, like, he was upset. He's like, you guys don't have any argument for why you think this company is doing well or why you think this company should be a vehicle to make money. And he was like, well, yeah, but does that matter? If I like GameStop and I want, and I, and it, it means something to me to own part of GameStop and I'm willing to pay more for it, um, like, isn't that just like free market? Like, isn't that the idea of the market? Isn't that why people should buy stocks? And free as an and, they, and as a note, and like to make to as the other part of that argument is, well, you're doing um say they're made doing market manipulation by um by like getting all of their friends to also like something and want to buy it, but like say, but is that market manipulation? Isn't that just like the market? Hey, if I go, hey Josh, I really like my uh, Bombus socks. I think you should get us some Bombus socks, and maybe you should buy some stocks in Bombus socks. Um, hey, Bombus socks, you should uh, sponsor us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Um, I say, what, I say, like, is that is that like is that market manipulation, or is that like me just participating in a free market? Hmm. Is there such thing as free market versus fair market? Yes. Yeah, uh, a, 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 um, a free market, sorry, um, uh, <laughs> the more free a market, the less fair it is, is kind of the way that that works out. Right, the inverse relationship. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. um, you do not actually like, you know, a free market is one in which um, snake oil is completely legal um, and uh, it's completely okay for people to lie about what their product is, what it does, and uh, like all of those things. Like none of those things are good. The and, more and, free a market is, the less fair it is. And I should note something we should have noted before, I think. Short selling is a check on, it can be a useful check on snake oil salesmen. That is one of the functions it can serve in a market. Is if a, if a CEO is constantly out there talking 
and talking about how great everything is, encouraging people to you know buy more of my stock. Short selling gives investors an incentive to hunt for for nonsense. Basically, it gives them an incentive to go look. We think you're you're a snake oil salesman, and we're going to bet that you're not worth as much as you say you are. So, like when Enron collapsed, they there were smart people who were shorting Enron a year before it collapsed because they had looked at the financials and gone, "Nah, we don't think you. We we think your books are cooked." Like, <laughs> I mean, this was the point of the movie, The Big Short. There were some smart people who were like, "Nah, we don't think the market fundamentals are good." <laughs> so. Shorting can be a useful way to check business people who are just selling you nonsense. This is actually one reason why you see a bunch of CEOs like rooting on what's happened. Cause like low key, a bunch of CEOs hate short selling because it checks them. So remember this when you see like your friendly CEO rooting on Reddit, it's because they don't like short selling. Like they hate it. it it's downward pressure on their share price and they hate it. <laughs> yeah so that's something to keep in mind you see like elon musk like rooting on what's happening like elon has a personal vendetta against short sellers because they short sold tesla for years he has a personal vendetta because he hates short sellers and a lot of ceos do i have one last question for me i think is it is it uh just for the sake of discussion if if it's found out that an official or someone who works for GameStop was a part of this, let's just say manipulation, for lack of a better word, of of getting out there, creating an account, and stirring the stirring the stew, what type of ramifications would we be looking at? That's called a pump and dump. If an official on the inside well, is involved in it, but if they didn't sell, if they didn't sell, if they're just. It maybe um, isn't a, they're going to be in trouble. I'll just say that. The, 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 I don't know what they'll call it, but they will be, they will find something to call it <laughs> and they will, they will crush that person. That person will get sued for all the people who, who lose on the side of the bubble. That just, person will get sued. Into I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's illegal though. Is it illegal to ask people to buy your company's stock? Yeah. That's, what, that, that's, the, that's the thing here. Hey, I'm an let's say I'm an employee for um, I'm an employee for Pointcast News, mm. and I, I think that you I think we're pretty great, and here's how great we are, and you should buy stock in Pointcast News. And here's the other part. Here's the other part. And if you're gonna talk and I say and if you're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the redditors doing market manipulation, we then have to understand that so is every hedge fund. So this is the implicit part. This is the part that um, what's his name again, Anthony? Jim Cramer. Jim Cramer. You're gonna ha like you just yeah. just like get that like get yeah. that tattooed or something because I'm gonna keep asking you about it. Um, I remember victims, not assholes. Um, <laughs> I mean, so so uh, his like implicit in his argument, the quiet part that he didn't say out loud. If the arg if your argument isn't like if your argument for buying a stock isn't that you like the company, what is your argument for buying the stock? Oh, you have insider information. That's that's insider trading. Oh, you um you're doing it because your friends are doing it. That's market manipulation. So either both sides are doing it or no one is. So, what were you gonna ask I was. 
I was going to say, actually, I, I kind of primed that question. I will say that I do believe that in most companies, the employees are encouraged not to talk about their stock. Uh, legally, so it, it is not going to be categorized as a puppet dump, but it probably is securities fraud. Yeah, that's where I was going. But Probably I just wanted to know, but this is a... The strength of your company's financials is securities fraud if you're an executive. Well, you have to prove if the misstatement. But what if they're just an employee and they have a Reddit account? Can't you have some anonymity? I can't say that word. Yeah. So uh, if, you're, if you're anonymous or you have one of those accounts, people don't know your identity and you're just saying, hey, why don't we do this? And you're rallying people. I'm just curious. I'm just... Is it a great uh, area? Yeah. So it's something is, to tell. You're right. And it is, but this is why um, why you said they typically encourage employees not to say this. Because the line between like, I'm hyping up my company and you're committing securities fraud is real thin. And in yeah. this case, I'm guessing it would fall on the wrong side of that line. <laughs> I, you don't, I say, an employee, you don't have an, an executive, argument. an executive doing it. Okay. If it's an yeah. executive, they are on the wrong side of that line. I, now, I, random I internet users, I don't. They can't. They like by definition can't commit securities fraud. I say, I say, I say um, if you're, I say, uh, I, I disagree. If you're an executive, um, and I say, if you're an executive, if and you do it without your public face, I disagree. No, even if you do it publicly. No, no, uh, uh, no right. You mean if I'm you, like, saying privately. No, I, I'm yeah. I'm saying that if I say if I'm an executive, but you don't know that I'm an executive, I don't have any authority here. My authority is gone. I can't like. What's your argument? How is he any different than anybody else? So some of this, and I don't want to misspeak here too much, but some of this I think gets into the weeds of like what exactly the SEC securities laws regulations say, and if well, they have prepared for a world in which like you can create an anonymous account on Reddit and speak to seven million investors. And if they don't have a law for it, they they will have a law for it <laughs> soon. They're like, no, no, you can't talk to seven million people anonymously and uh, convince them to pump up your stock, whether or not you're disclosing who you are or not. If we find out you did it, we're going to charge you with the crime. They will create a law for it. <laughs> oh, and my that sounds over. That sounds like tyranny. That is tyranny. That is actual tyranny. I think publicly traded companies do have rules where their employees come on board and they go through HR and all of these meetings and they are told that people are curious about how the company is doing because they think they might want to buy stock. You're told to refer them to certain persons or certain departments and to not have those conversations to avoid that gray space, right? To avoid even having the look of impropriety or just having the discussion so I I've just just curious I've, I've been in that position where I work for a company and um, it was a consulting firm I'm not going to say what it was but you know people were curious and oftentimes conversations will come up and uh, it, it, you know you just pass that information on you don't get involved in that but I was never sure if it was truly illegal like if I wanted to you know pump and dump is really clear right you know um, when those sorts of things happen or the thing that happened with Martha Stewart, the insider trading type of thing, those things are more clear. But um, if you're just excited about your company, the way the example that Alex gave earlier about the socks, I, that's not as clear to me. So I just wanted to put it on the table. So my, my whole thought on the issue is um, the nature of the person who was doing the action. So 
I think I, I think I probably align with Anthony on this. Like if you are an executive in a company and you go do this, I think you're going to be looked at with a lot more scrutiny than like random internet user number eight, nine, eight, nine, four, zero, like who just likes this company and is on Reddit talking about that company with his friends. But like, if we find out that douche flag 23 on Reddit <laughs> is actually the, the secret account of like a CEO of a company, I feel like that that is then going to mean whoever is viewing that information is going to feel as though the attempt is malicious rather than it being something that was created by a random person on the internet. So I think all this is going to end up falling on who was actually involved and why they ended up starting the process entirely. I just one left for real. This is my for real last question. <laughs> With the name Robin Hood and all, I mean, poor versus rich. I mean, do you see it playing out like that? Like, is this going to be, is this going to be like um, slamming down the poor investors trying to make it big in the stock market? Not that they were poor, but I'm just saying versus the rich hedge fund people who are on their yachts crying over the loss of margins. Is this, you know, do you see this playing out like that in the public space or public sphere? Uh, I think it is going to play out like that in the discourse, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to play out like that necessarily in reality. But I think the discourse, I think this has been one of the problems I've had with it, actually, is that it is encouraging people to think that this is a, a matter of, like, the rich versus the poor, when that's really not that doesn't really accurately uh, describe what's happening but i think that's going to be the narrative around this event but the reality is is going to be uh the the five percent did fine and the 0.1 percent also did fine and then some of the rest of us also did fine and then those left holding the bag are just going to like eat it and that's mostly going to be like normal normal people who got in on the bubble too late like so i've been explaining it to people this way i said if i had asked you one month ago do you A, have a bunch of capital, and B, can you explain to me what a gamma squeeze is? If the answer to either one of those is no, you're not the winner here. <laughs> I, if you, I if you I, hopped I on say, the bubble last week, it was too late. <laughs> I say, and, I say, and, I'm, and I'm going to push back against Anthony um, here because there, again, we already have, we ha already have stories of life-changing money for like four people in this recession, um, in like during this pandemic, and that's objectively a good thing. Yeah. And then I say, and and that's like, and that's this event, and that's you know not if it doesn't if this event doesn't spark more things. And that, I that's look the, at it like playing the lotto. Sometimes the lotto is a life changing amount of money for some normal people. Most normal people just end up paying the state. I feel like that's a great place to end it. <laughs> I like that line. We're going to drop the mic right there. This podcast was has been, I still can't talk today. This podcast has been brought to you in part by Yag Productions. I don't know if we have stock in them or not. A studio for podcasters and musicians. And of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on our Facebook page. That is, again, where we like to interact with you guys. That's where the poll from before was mentioned. That's where a lot of the uh, articles that we share are. Please go check that out. We really like interacting with you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for guys for being in the Zoom call with me today. Josh out.